I'll just stand here. Hey, it's good to see you guys. Those of you who haven't met me, my name is Tom. I'm the pastor here, but I'm, I'm kind of on holidays. Hey, missed you last week. But I know you had a great time, and I've heard good reports. And I'm uh, thankful for, for Terry Young filling in. And, and this week, again, another one of our preaching team members is up this week, and Maddie's going to share with us. Come, come on up, Maddie. Very thankful that we're continuing through our series in the Lord's Prayer this summer, our summer school of prayer. And I'm really excited to introduce, if, you have had, if you've been shortchanged through life and haven't met Maddie yet, this is Maddie. But for most of us, she needs no introduction. Uh, but I just want to pray for you, Maddie, as you, uh, as you start here today. I can get more length here. And pray. Jesus, thank you so much for Maddie. And I just ask that as she shares today, you would just uh, give her your peace and your words. And may our hearts and ears be open to hear what, what you have to say through her. Bless her now. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. And <laughs> thank you so much for being here today. For those of you who don't know me, like Tom said, uh, my name is Maddie. I've been a part of this church for about nine years now. So this community is really close to my heart, and it is such a privilege to be able to speak in front of all of you today. But before we get started, I just want to ask you a question. When you pray, and for this question you don't have to answer, but I want you to think, what would you say if you, know, you had to tell the person next to you or write it down? When you pray, what is the heart of your prayer? Now, to put it a little differently, when you pray, what do you hope for or long for or desire the most? You know, maybe what, what are you hoping the result of your prayer will be? If you could pray for any one thing, what would you be praying for? You know, I get that prayer isn't a regular part of everyone's life. And so if you're new to church or you don't pray regularly, you don't pray at all, think of it this way. Why do Christians pray anyway? I mean, what are they hoping is going to happen when they talk to God? Maybe when you pray, you know, it's you really care about your family, and so that's your first priority. That's the first thing you're praying for. Maybe you are really passionate about seeing peace in our world, so that's the first thing on your mind. That's what you're praying for. Maybe you pray for our government because you feel like if we just had a government you could get behind, things would start looking up. Maybe, you know, you don't really know why you pray. It's some sort of maybe obligation or habit, whatever it is for you, you know, I I think that Jesus has something to teach us today about what it means to pray like he does. I mean, if you're like me, you might not even know why you're praying. Don't get me wrong. I have a long list of things I want to ask God for, things I want help with. But sometimes I wonder, is my heart in the right place when I'm talking to God? Because let's be honest, it can get super easy to get caught up in all the things we want to say to God. You know, like, God, please just help me pass this test. Or God, please, like, get me out of debt. It's such a struggle for me. Or God, please, like, help fix whatever went wrong with my brother. Or whatever went wrong with my son. Or help fix my marriage. And don't get me wrong. All of those prayers are real concerns, and God wants to hear them. But do you ever wonder if there's something we should be praying for that's higher or greater something different that we haven't thought about before? Well, you know what? There is. And through the Lord's prayer, Jesus teaches us just that. Now, right now, this summer, we're going through a series on the Lord's Prayer. And we're calling it the Summer School of Prayer. 
And we've had three different speakers already preach on the first two lines of the prayer. But the exciting thing about this series, for me anyways, is that it's Jesus who's teaching us to pray. Jesus' followers, his disciples, asked him to teach them how to pray. And so he did. Jesus intentionally gave his followers a framework or a lesson on how to talk to the Father the same way that he does. And when you think about that, that's pretty incredible. So before we get started today, I just want to remind us what Jesus himself said to his disciples when they asked him to teach them to pray. This is from Luke chapter 11. You can follow along on the screen. Uh, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And then Jesus goes on to teach them the Lord's prayer. And the full version is found in Matthew chapter 6, and it goes like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When Jesus' followers asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he immediately and willingly taught them. Just like that, by teaching them and by teaching us the Lord's Prayer, Jesus was giving his followers, he was inviting them into prayer with the Father the same way that Jesus talks to the Father. And that is such an incredible invitation. Now, I don't know about you, but for as long as I can remember, I've had some version of the prayer memorized. I mean, just earlier, you guys all recited it, and there were no words on the screen. I was really impressed. But I've had it kind of memorized for a while. And it's not something intentional. It's not something I decided to do. But it's just from, you know, hearing it in church over and over, or in Sunday school, hearing it all the time. I think we even have, like, a little cross-stitch in our house. And so I saw and heard the prayer all the time. And eventually, it was kind of ingrained in my mind. But despite having the prayer memorized, I was always far from understanding it. Maybe you've had the same experience. Some of you might have heard the prayer for what seems like a thousand times, but you don't really know what Jesus is talking about. Uh, For those of you who've been around long enough, you might even remember hearing the prayer at school every morning, blaring through the PA system. Maybe you're new to church, and you've actually never even heard the whole prayer before. But wherever you're at this morning, I'm confident that Jesus has something to say about the way we should be praying. Well, today we've reached uh, the third line of the prayer, hallowed be your name. The Lord's Prayer has six petitions, or six requests, and hallowed be your name is the first one. It's the first thing we ask God to do. Now, I think most people would agree this is kind of the most confusing part of the prayer. I mean, what does the word hallowed even mean? Like, I always used to just think of the word Halloween, but I don't think that's what he's talking about. And I told someone I was preaching on this line, and they told me that in school when they heard it, they always thought it was Harold be your name. Probably not what Jesus meant. (laughs) But we're... (laughs) Anyways, so I think before we get started, we need to kind of be on the same page about two definitions, the word hallowed and the word name. So to start off, the word hallow means to make something holy or to sanctify something. Something holy or sanctified is set apart. It's different from the rest. For example, the word holiday comes from the words holy and day, because a holiday is something different. It's different from all the other days of the year. Like on Friday, just on Friday on July 1st, we celebrated Canada Day, and it was different. You know, some of us got the day off work, went to see the fireworks. 
So to make something holy or to hallow something is to recognize that it is special and set apart. And when God's name is set apart, when it is made holy, his character is revealed to us. In the message translation of the Bible, the line reads, reveal yourself to us. Because when Jesus asks the Father to hallow his name, he is saying, Father, make your name known. Make your name honored. Make your name glorified. And when this happens, when God's name is honored and glorified and recognized as holy, that is when he is revealed to us. So if to hallow something is to make something holy or to sanctify something, then what does it mean to hallow God's name? Well, first of all, it's important to understand that in biblical times, names weren't just labels. They meant something. You know, names often represented an important part of a person, either an aspect of their character or a significant event in their life. Someone's name was often linked to their personality or their reputation. For example, in 1 Samuel, there's a woman named uh, Abigail, and she has a foolish husband, and his name is Nabal. And Nabal literally means fool. Another example is Abraham. Abraham means father of many. And if you've read the Old Testament at all, you know Abraham was the father of many. Or there's Ruth. In the book of Ruth, uh, Ruth is loyal to her mother-in-law, Naomi, and she decides to stay back with her instead of you know, going off to get married in her homeland. And that's an incredible act of friendship and loyalty, so it makes sense that Ruth's name means friend. And we've lost the significance of a name a little bit in this day and age. But when someone's, you know, when someone has a good reputation, we still say they've made a good name for themselves. Or businesses that provide good service, they earn themselves a good name. Proverbs 20, 22, uh, verse 1 says, A good name, or the New Living Translation says, a good reputation, is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. So when Jesus refers to God's name, He doesn't mean the word God, capital G-O-D. He's talking about the character of God, the personality of God, the reputation of God. He's talking about the loving and compassionate character of our Father. So to kind of summarize, the word hallowed means to make something holy, to sanctify something, to set something apart. And God's name, the Father's name, is essentially the person and the character and the reputation of our Father. So, so if we put it all together now, Jesus is telling us to pray, Father, make yourself known. Make your personality glorified. Make your person honored. Reveal yourself to us. I mean, what a prayer. No wonder this is the very first thing Jesus asks the Father. It's the very first thing he teaches us to ask the Father. Because everything from here on out that Jesus teaches us to pray flows from this first request. And like I mentioned earlier, there are six of these requests. But have you ever noticed the tone of the petitions? Because if you look closely, they're actually commands. Jesus doesn't teach us, Father, let us try and hallow your name. Or, Father, can we please have some daily bread? He teaches us, Father, you hallow your name. Hallowed be your name. Because Jesus is teaching us to ask the Father to do something that only the Father can do. We, human beings, cannot possibly honor and glorify and sanctify the Father's name adequately. We just can't. Hallowing God's name is not something we can do, but it is something we passionately desire. And I think in this, the Lord's Prayer teaches us something we often 
pass over or we don't notice at first glance. It teaches us to pray boldly. Hebrews 4, 16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And that is what Jesus is teaching us to do. To come boldly to the Father and the very first thing we ask before anything else is that he makes his name holy. So I like to think of these requests, or in this one in particular, as a command of reverence. Because as we come boldly to the Father and ask that he hallows his name, we humbly recognize that he's the only one who can do that. For some people, this line of the prayer brings to mind one of the Ten Commandments. The third commandment is uh, don't take the Lord's name in vain. And it's something Christians do, or rather we don't do, as an act of recognizing just how holy God's name is. And that's so important. But that's not all there is to it. It's not up to us to make God's name holy. That's God's job. So, you know, not saying the Lord's name in vain is just one thing we do, or one way we acknowledge the holiness of God's name. We boldly ask that God would hallow his name while still recognizing that he is the one who's going to make it happen, not us. Remember, this is the very first thing Jesus asks the Father for in the prayer. Even before Jesus asks that the Father's will be done, he asks the Father to hallow his name. Now, it's important to point out that God hasn't forgotten about all of our other other concerns. I mean, Jesus goes on to teach us, pray that your daily needs are met. Pray that your sins are forgiven. Pray that you're delivered from evil. But those things will come later. Because the deepest desire of Jesus' heart The thing he prays for and teaches us to pray for before anything else is that the Father's name be hallowed. Jesus wants nothing more. The heart of Jesus' prayer is that the Father's name will be made known and glorified. So what is Jesus teaching us about prayer? He's teaching us that the heart of our prayer, it should be the same as his. When Jesus tells us to pray, Father, hallowed be your name, He is inviting us into the deepest passion of his heart. He wants us to have the same heart for the Father as he does. And we know this because this isn't the only time Jesus mentions the Father's name being hallowed. In the book of John, Jesus prays to the Father that he would glorify his name. And I'll read you this passage. Uh, If you want to follow along, it's in John chapter 12. Now this is Jesus speaking. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Now I want to pause here. Take a look at what Jesus is saying. He says, my soul is troubled. He admits this because remember, Jesus knows what's ahead of him. He knows that he's going to suffer and then he's going to die. He knows that he will be betrayed by those closest to him. He will be denied by someone he calls a friend. He knows all of this. But despite everything going on around him, what does Jesus pray? He prays that the Father would glorify his name. Listen to what happens next. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. When Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. The father replies that he has and that he will 
Again, we see this to be true over and over in Scripture. The Father hallows his name. In Ezekiel chapter 39, God says, I will now restore the fortunes of Jacob and will have compassion on all the people of Israel, and I will be zealous for my holy name. Notice how the holiness of God's name is so closely connected to his compassionate character because when God's name is hallowed, lives are changed for the good. People are restored. Good prevails. And that's what God, hallowing his name, is all about. The holiness and sovereignty of God's name isn't meant to hold us captive or intimidate us somehow. It's meant to set us free. And that's exactly why Jesus is so passionate about the Father's name being hallowed. When God is known, when God is glorified, when his character is revered, God's perfect will is done. Now, this wasn't only the heart of Jesus' prayer. This wasn't even only the heart of the Lord's prayer. This was the heart of Jesus' entire ministry, of his entire life. Everything he did, whether it was healing the sick, or teaching in the crowds, or reaching out to the oppressed, or lifting up the poor, or caring for widows, everything he did was for one purpose, to make his Father known to us. So when we pray, Father, hallowed be your name, we are aligning our prayer with the very heart of Jesus. So what does this mean for us now? I mean, Jesus makes it clear that it isn't us who's hallowing God's name. It's not our job. So what is our role in the prayer? I mean, what are we to do with this line? Well, this week I want to kind of challenge you in two ways or give you two actions you can take. The first is fairly easy. Continue to pray the prayer daily. This is something we've been challenging you to do for the last few weeks now. And like Tom mentioned a few weeks ago, it literally takes less than 30 seconds. But for me, even though it takes 30 seconds and it's super easy, I will forget if I don't remind myself. So I suggest you figure out a way to trigger yourself or remind yourself to pray. I mean, I put a reminder on my phone, but you can put something on a sticky note and slap it to the fridge or the mirror somewhere you look all the time. Anyway, it doesn't really matter how you remind yourself as long as you remember. So that's the first step, and that's super easy. The second is just an extension of the first. This week as you pray, I want to encourage you to pause and reflect as you make your way through the Lord's Prayer. I want you to think about where your heart is at, what the heart of your prayer is. Ask yourself the same question I asked you earlier. What is the heart of my prayer? As you, uh, this, for the last few weeks, we've been encouraging you to use the Lord's Prayer kind of as a framework for your own personal prayer life, to pause and reflect after each line. So this week when you pray, Father, hallowed be your name, Pause and consider where your heart is. Now, it's important to be honest here, because really, if we're real, it's unlikely that you're going to come into prayer and your first thought will be, Father, hallowed be your name. Because we have a bunch of other stuff going in in our lives, you know, other distractions, other priorities. So admit that. Admit your distraction. If If you journal, or even if you don't, I'd encourage you to write it down or jot it down somewhere, even say it out loud. Admit your distraction. Acknowledge where your heart actually is. I mean, maybe you came uh, to prayer after a really long day at work, and there was this colleague that was super frustrating, you just don't know how to deal with them, and you really just wanted to vent to God about it. That's okay. Admit that. Maybe you had an awful day at school, and that teacher was a jerk, or that friend was a jerk, or you just had a rotten day. That's okay. Admit that. Admit where your distraction is. 
Maybe you're praying because you're really just at a loss about how to, you know, connect with your kids or fix your marriage or work on your relationship with your brother or your sister. Whatever the case, wherever your heart is while you're praying, I challenge you to acknowledge it. Because it's a lot harder than it sounds to be honest that when we come to prayer, we aren't just thinking about God's name being hallowed. We need to recognize that although God's name being hallowed might not be automatically our first concern or our first priority, that is what Jesus teaches us to pray. Father, hallowed be your name. Ask God to hallow his name in whatever situation you know, you're challenged by this week. Think of that area of your life that you want to make first priority, whether it's you know, your finances or that new job or your marriage or your kids, whatever is distracting you, whatever you want to be your first priority, pray that God's name will be hallowed in that situation. When God's name is hallowed, when God's name is known and glorified, when it is known and esteemed and revered, lives are changed for the better. Just think for a second and imagine the difference it would make in your marriage, in uh, your relationship with your kids, in the lives of the people around you, in the world, if God's name was known and glorified. How would your life change? How would the world change if your prayers were motivated by a desire to see men and women and children know God's love for them? Because when God's love and his character are known and glorified, broken people are restored. Children who were neglected find protection. People who are abused find healing. People who struggle with addiction, they find hope. People from all walks of life come to know the Father's love for them. Can you see the difference that would make? Because the character of our Father is loving. We have a father who's kind, he's patient, he's caring, and he's compassionate. You know, he's just, he's faithful. And there's nothing Jesus wants more, absolutely nothing, than for people to know this. And that is what we're praying when we pray, Father, hallow your name. I want to invite you guys to pray the Lord's Prayer together with me. Let's pray uh, using the words of Matthew 6. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one.